Gary Hoffman. Yeah. Shannon Farron. And I'm not going to brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass. Gary and Shannon. Gotta get dead. Gotta get dead. in your head. I think now. it's in my head and I uh, I got that flu shot a couple days ago. Well, that'll make you so, feel funny. Yeah, it makes me I'm hoping it's that and it just goes away and I'm not uh, contact uh, contacting whatever disease is in this room right yeah. now. Yeah, well that's why the door's open. We're trying to Sorry, I had to do that for the black eyed peas. Uh the the door's open. Uh-huh. We're getting a little air in here. Mm-hmm. The, the blinds are open so we could, you know, sunlight is the greatest antiseptic. Is it? Is that right? Well, not through the window and stuff, but but just for feeling bright and That's happy. That's true. Vitamin D is essential. Um, I don't know how we did this very quickly, but we steam cleaned the entire room. We did give this room a silkwood scrub during the uh, during the news breaks. So I like how you, the Amy. I like how the the label on the wipes now says "cold and flu virus killer." Oh yeah, like they're not even messing around. It's like the cigarette pack now that says "this will kill you." Uh, the disinfecting wipes have gone full bore. Whoever came up with that? I just don't know. Cold and flu killer. I don't know what Handel was thinking, leaving Kleenex on the ground. Was it soiled? I don't know. I just kicked it out of the way. I can't. I'm not oh, going to go looking through it, peeling back the layers of mucosal damage. Oh, that's for been the done love! For the love! Wow. Uh, so another big Friday that we have going on. A little bit later, we're going to get into uh, the 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 issue of Rick Gates, the former Trump campaign aide, is expe- expected to plead guilty in the special counsel's inquiry. Now, th- again, these are uh, these are financial misdealings that he and Paul Manafort are accused of and lying about, uh, accused of lying about. So this is not an implication one way or the other of uh, collusion or Russia involvement, but just is now pointing to uh, what an a-hole Paul Manafort was and that he had a, picked a really bad time to lie to the feds about stuff. So uh, we'll get into that when we get into uh, Swamp Watch at 1230. Mo Kelly's going to join us. A couple of big movies opening this weekend. Uh, neither one of them is going to compete with Black Panther, I don't think, but those should be fun. We'll talk more about that. Also some food coming in, food for us at least. Celebrating Orange County Restaurant Week. We're also going to take that celebration into next week. Please join us for our gas news and brews. We are going to be at J.T. Schmidt's in Tustin, 2415 Park Avenue in Tustin on Thursday, 10 to 2, gas news and brews. Haven't done this in a while. It's always a great time. Come join us. Great food. A great time. We've got stickers. <laughs> what? We have stickers. There's stickers. We have stickers to give away because we can't. Nobody gives us anything to give away. Like there's no, there's no great like Gary and Shannon T-shirts or uh, I don't know, really anything. Dish towels, anything. <laughs> there's nothing. So we had to go out and make them. Are they Gary and Shannon stickers? They are. So you haven't seen them yet. No. Would you like one? Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll get you one during the break. Yeah, we'll there's, make there's sure there's that one happens. on this uh, speaker right here. There's one on that speaker way up there. We'll have you put one in the 
in the news booth there. And I like it. And you can have one, too, when you come out and see Gary and Shannon next week. Exactly. I love it. I think we should put them on cars. Cars? Sure. They seem like all-weather stickers. I don't know if they'll come off. Well, more information coming out of Florida, and it just keeps getting even worse, doesn't it? At first, we had known that there was a school resource officer, a deputy on campus, this 45-acre school campus where the where the shooting massacre happened. Uh, but we had heard uh, the initial information coming out of this investigation was that he was nowhere near the building where the shots were fired and that he never laid eyes on the shooter. Well, yesterday, we finally heard that yeah, he was right outside that building while the gunshots were still being fired. The shots that went on for six minutes. And he has been reported right outside that building at least for four minutes of that shooting. Scott Israel is the uh, sheriff of Broward County, and he's the one who had to deal with the watching this and having his own heart broken over what happened. Well, what I saw was a deputy arrive at the west side of Building 12, take up a position, and he never went in. He went, he went on his, uh, I think he got on his radio at a point in time, um, and he took up a position where it looked like he could see the westernmost entry into the building and stayed where he was. Never went in. Um, that sheriff... Uh, the, the deputy, sorry, uh, Scott, uh, Scott Peterson, was identified. The sheriff yesterday put him on paid leave, and he turned around and resigned a couple hours later. After seeing video, witness statements, and Scott Peterson's very own statement, I decided this morning to suspend Scott Peterson without pay pending an internal investigation, as is his right. Scott Peterson chose to resign because he has the necessary time with the agency and meets the requirements of retirement. He resigned and slash retired. What do you feel at that point? What do you feel if you're the sheriff and you know that for the last week you've been out there saying that your deputies did everything they could to protect these kids. And it turns out that the one guy, the one guy who had the best chance to stop the massacre, didn't do anything. It's easy for you and I to sit here in a nice, comfy studio and call that guy out for being a coward. But that guy signed up for the job. That guy had three decades on the job. He that signed, guy, yeah. that guy, just not a couple of years ago, talked about how proud he was to be able to serve in as a school resource officer and affect kids and help protect kids. Yeah, and but be to a mentor say to, to say that you sign up for it and that you're going to be the one who charges into the building when the shots are fired, if shots are ever fired, and then for it to actually happen are two very different things. Correct. You can think in your head that you're that guy, that you're that guy who put your life on the line to protect anyone because you're wearing the badge. But when it comes down to it, you don't know how your body's going to respond. No, and I think that's the hardest part about this because w- when you expand the conversation and start talking about teachers and whether or not teachers should be armed, this is one of those instances that you have to think about when you're thinking about those situations. This guy was a trained 
longtime law enforcement officer who was used to wearing a weapon for 30 plus years of his life. And every week had been to the range, had used his weapon many times. I mean, I mean, this guy is the guy that you would want on the front line. And even he froze in the face of danger. So the idea, you know, people who jump to the conclusion that teachers are the best way, you know, arming teachers would be one of the best ways to uh, prevent this from happening. I don't think this should be evidence to at least give you pause. I'm not saying it ends the conversation, but it should give you pause. Just because you have a weapon doesn't mean that you have it in you to engage. It doesn't mean you have it in you to go into the hallway where somebody has an AR-15 and engage. And it's not a clean scenario. I mean, I think we we touched on this a little bit yesterday in talking about what would happen if a teacher who was in one of those nearby classrooms did have a weapon and was able to confront this guy in the hallway. You've still got two or 300 kids in the hallway it's running a, every direction. It's not a clear shot, even not, if you're not a, a trained training. marksman. Yeah, and it's not a training scenario where it's you and one other person in the hallway. It's you and 400 other people in the hallway, and you're trying to pick the one guy, the one guy with the gun. This was just, I mean, this was devastating to hear yesterday when I, when I first heard this and then heard the sheriff explain what he's done, uh, explain where he's been even in terms of wh- how you come out and explain this, admit that one of your deputies failed in his duty. Devastated, sick to my stomach. Um, there are no words. I mean, these families lost their children. We lost coaches. I've been to the funerals. I've been to the homes where they sit and shiver. I've been to the uh, vigils. Um, it's just uh, there are no words. How do you, and if you're that deputy, what do you do? For the rest of your life, what do you do? I don't know how you live with that. I, I think you would feel uh, a huge sense of shame. I don't even think shame begins to. I just feel like such a personal failure. I would feel like such a failure. But you know what? I don't know who that guy is. Uh, did you do a triple take when you were driving home and heard this news on the radio? The name Scott Peterson? I did a triple take. I thought, what? Scott Peterson? And then I thought, oh, wait, they're talking about that cop? Is that that cop that murdered two of his wives? You know, it's Scott Peterson. Not a good name. Right. <laughs> Infamy. Well, we um, we also know the sheriff's department has opened a couple of internal affairs investigations looking into whether their deputies followed the department standards after receiving a couple of phone calls about the gunman here. In February 2016, a deputy forwarded information to the school resource officer, the one that was on hand uh, and that has now retired. It was third-hand information, but it was received from a neighbor's son that uh, this kid planned to shoot up the school on Instagram and... It included a picture of the kid with guns. Side note, that exact instance led to a kid being arrested at my daughter's high school. Instagram picture, kid with guns, a threat, don't come to school tomorrow. Immediately, the kid was arrested. The deputy determined uh, in that case that this kid possessed knives and a BB gun before he passed it along to the resource officer. But it's not clear what, any, it, what if anything, the resource officer did with the information. The, um, the issue of school threats 
communication between agencies, communication between school officials and, and law enforcement agencies is so incredibly important right now that even if one of these instances was communicated correctly, if one of them had been acted upon, maybe this was stopped. Broward County Sheriff's Office has some real soul searching to do. Not only was that school resource officer not up to the task it came down to when it came down to it but Broward County Sheriff's deputies received at least 18 calls warning them about this kid from 2008 to 2017 at least 5 callers mentioned the concern over his access to weapons none of those warnings led to direct intervention meaning a face-to-face conversation none of them so you've got the sheriff's department. We we had had all this um, anger about the FBI, right? The FBI gets two different calls, maybe three different calls into separate branches, and it never gets to the FBI branch office, the closest office to the school, to the shooter. Um, yes, that sucks. That's bad communication. But what about Broward County? What about the local deputies that got a heads up about this kid five different times, five different calls about him being a school shooter, about him having weapons, a a potential school shooter, about him having weapons, and nothing. 18 calls talking about this kid just in general, including those five where people thought he was going to be a school shooter, and nothing. That's a huge failure. Well, and and the important part, I think, in in moving forward from this— is that we have to figure out where the roadblocks were because there were multiple roadblocks. We got to figure out what it was. Was it a personal roadblock? Was there one deputy or one detective who went to this kid and thought he wasn't a threat? That's a roadblock. That that should not have happened because on the outside information that we see now, it's clear that this kid was a threat. It's very clear. Was it a roadblock in the law? I mean, did they feel like he was a threat, but the law prevented them from doing certain things? The governor of Florida, we'll talk about this in a minute, but the governor of Florida has come out and said that he wants to change some of the laws, including a law similar to what we have in California, which would allow uh, a family member, uh, a a close relative, uh, law enforcement even, to have this kid's weapons taken from him because of the potential for mental illness and the threat to other people or himself. I did not know this legislation came out of the Elliot Roger massacre up in Isla Vista. In 2014, we became the first state to let family members ask a judge to remove firearms from a relative who appears to pose a threat. That gives me a little bit of solace. Uh, California's law also empowers police to petition for protective orders, which can require authorities to remove firearms for up to one year. There's five states with this, California, Connecticut, Indiana, Oregon, and Washington. Um, about a dozen others are considering bills to enable family members or police to petition the courts to take away weapons from people showing signs of mental distress or violence. That's a step in the right direction. It's going to fall on the state's shoulders because this is a this is part of this. What's in the state's jurisdiction is what to do with guns. The Supreme Court um, has said many times it's right. going to be up to the states. Um, so federally speaking, when it comes to legislation, they can only do so much. It only has so much power. Expanding the background checks federally would be nice um, if if all the states did agree to give all their information when it comes to convictions and see something, say somethings to 
the background check. But some states just are not going to do that. Right. Some states, some solid red Second Amendment ride or die states are just never going to be in line with that. Rick Scott, governor of Florida, had said this in terms of those mental restraining orders that he wants to implement there. This will allow a court to prohibit a violent or mentally ill person from purchasing or possessing a firearm or any other weapon when either a family member, community welfare expert, or law enforcement officer files a sworn request and presents evidence to the court of a threat of violence involving firearms or other weapons. Now, this is one of those things that it appears that everyone agrees on. It it appears even Dana Loesch, who was speaking for the uh, National Rifle Association in that town hall meeting that CNN did on Wednesday night, referred several times to the desire to keep guns out of the hands of mentally ill people and said specifically in the case of what happened in Florida, that kid should never, that young man should never have had weapons ever available to him and that it was a breakdown in the federal background check system that prevented this kid uh, or that allowed this kid, I should say, to uh, to get his hands to purchase the AR-15. If she feels that way, if the NRA feels that way, then why isn't the NRA demanding all states have these red flag laws? I don't. Why aren't they withholding campaign money? Because you know what? It's in the NRA's best interest to keep guns out of crazy people's hands so they don't have to go through this well, when, uh, when, time and time again. When you and I were growing up, I don't know if this is – I remember the NRA. I remember it being the gun safety organization. It was the gun uh, – it, it was where you would go for a hunter safety course. It would where you go for a, a, a handgun handling class, that kind of thing. And you could still do that through there. But they've become such an advocate for for the gun industry that they're there. That is being overshadowed. I'm sorry, the the gun safety portion, what the NRA is supposed to be, has been overshadowed by their lobbying for the gun industry. Well, I mean, the day that this shooting happened, you went on the NRA website and it was why the AR-15 is the most popular gun in America. Here's and selling points. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, it's got an image problem if it wants to get. If it wants to get any little bit of um, integrity back, it will try and force, using its money, all states to have these red flag laws. Because I don't know, I, I don't see why a supporter of the Second Amendment would have a problem with keeping guns out of crazy people like this hands. Right. You know, and, and, and I don't know if, if that classifies as a slippery slope argument. Maybe some people believe it does. Well, I think one of the issues that the NRA has done, has done successfully, in fact, it's been mentioned the last couple of times, is they put together their own study on school site security and what it is that needs to happen to protect our kids. One of the things that's been argued is regardless of your position on weapons, regardless uh, uh, on your position on the Second Amendment, you've got to make sure that my kids school campus is going to be safe, whatever that takes. Governor Scott has said that he wants to see a uniformed officer on every school campus in the state of Florida. Money-wise, I don't know if that's a thing. Money-wise, I don't know if that's going to be something that's going to be possible. But the NRA had mentioned, among other things, designing schools in a way that makes entry harder to do. It makes exit easier to do. I mean, we do it in, in you know, public stadiums and and concert venues all the time. Why are we protecting those venues more than we're protecting schools? Well, there is a high school in Indiana that has been called the safest school in America. 
they've put in a series uh, of of things uh, using technology, the latest technology, that seem to be as pretty damn good as you can get. I didn't even know these things existed, and they're all being used at one school in Indiana. We'll tell you all about it uh, when we come back. Just uh, real briefly, there were a couple of uh, businesses that ended their partnerships with the NRA over all, all the recent backlash. Uh, First National Bank of Omaha, nation's largest privately owned bank, said yesterday it's not going to renew its contract with the NRA for a branded Visa card. Um, Also, uh, privately held Enterprise Holdings, Inc., a parent company of uh, Enterprise Alamo National Car Rental Brands, said it's going to end its partnership with the NRA. Um, So maybe just a couple uh, maybe just a couple of businesses. I, I don't know. But I think they, I think they are seeing the backlash. The NRA is. I mean, yeah. Wayne Lapierre, I thought, uh, seemed a little bit off, uh, a little tone deaf with his speech yesterday to CPAC. But at the same time, they're going to, they're going to see an impact as a result of all of this. Anyway, we'll talk about that. The while this is all going on, today is the first time that teachers from Stoneman Douglas High School are returning to campus, and I'm they're curious re- to see. They're just going. It's there's like no work scheduled. Right. It's just basically the the administration and the district have reopened the school for the teachers to go back and begin the process of wh- how you pick up and continue. From I, this. Uh, I I read that there was a breakfast planned. I don't know how you eat there. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you have a stomach for that. Anyway, uh, the safest school in America and what they're doing and how it may be affordable for for many schools to do this. Gary and Chandler will continue. Shannon, on this uh, Friday, thankfully, February 23rd, a little bit later, Rob Quest, owner and managing partner, uh, and Ray Pinedo, executive chef of Sun-Dried Tomato Bistro, will be here. We're going to start talking about OC Restaurant Week, which is coming up. In fact, next Thursday, we're going to be out at J.T. Schmid's in Tustin for our Gas News and Brews event. Right there in the uh, at the District of Tustin Legacy in Orange County, uh, and all of it is for a fantastic lunch opportunity and stickers, she said. Yeah, we got stickers. stickers. Everyone loves stickers. Stickers. Uh, it looks like Rick Gates is going to uh, to plead guilty. Uh, and in that case, the, uh, the latest in the Robert Mueller investigation has to do with the finances surrounding Paul Manafort and lying about finances to the feds. So we'll talk more about that, what that's going to mean. Also, the president at 11, I think the president is hosting the prime minister of Australia, if I'm not mistaken, and they're going to hold sort of the joint news conference and an opportunity to answer questions a little bit later at the White House. And we'll dip in and listen and see if he has anything to say about what's going on. We're talking about a school that has been called the safest school in America. And it is due to a number of uh, new technology that uh, that the school has put in a number a uh, number of different equip- uh, pieces of equipment. It's Southwestern High School in Shelbyville, Indiana, and it has been on featured on the Today Show a, a couple times, and it has a first of its kind security program that costs about four hundred grand, and it seems like it's every penny worth it. This was uh, this was implemented a few years ago after the Indiana Sheriff's Association chose that specific district in Shelbyville for this uh, first of its kind security program. 
And this was, I'm going to play for you the this sound of the package of the reporter going through and talking with teachers and uh, law enforcement officers about the system. Security break. At Southwestern High School in Indiana, the kids drill. I see they're all running past this red line. What is that? The red line is a security measure, and that's in place. Because if we stand behind this red line, if there's a shooter at the door, they cannot see the children. And this is something schools can do right now. There's a red line on the ground. Absolutely. Okay, there's a weird part about this. The kids are all behind that red line. It's in a corner. It's off to the corner, Mm -hmm. you know. And they're all holding history books up in front of their heads. Because, I mean, that's all you've got. I mean, you're in a classroom unless you have a Kevlar plate in your backpack. I guess that's the... It just it struck me as weird and bizarre that this is what we're teaching our kids to do. Well, when, even uh, with the uh, Stoneman Douglas High School, there was uh, one of the people said that her friend told her, put your book in front of your face. And then, you know, the friend didn't make it in time and she was the one that got shot. But even then, they're still trying to shield themselves with any way possible. Yeah, so that's kind of what that effort is. Absolutely bizarre. But here they go high tech too. the classroom doors are bullet resistant and cameras. So many cameras everywhere. And it's not just school officials watching either. They're connected live with the sheriff's department 10 miles away. Authorities can track an intruder in real time. Every teacher here, you have your own panic button. Yeah, we all wear a fob in case there's a security breach. We can push this button and the entire alarm system goes off in the school. And something else I actually want to show you real quick. When that happens, every classroom has a box like this also hooked up to the sheriff's department. The teacher can flip help if they actually see the suspect or they're in danger, or they can flip safe if the kids are safe. In 2015, I tested it, playing the intruder. Showing a male subject in a blue suit. If I was a real intruder, I couldn't get into a single classroom. They're all locked. Every last one of them. But the biggest counterattack is yet to come. All right, now he's walking down the hallway as he's doing this, and you're watching from the sheriff's department or wherever the uh, security cameras are farther away, uh, and they're keeping an eye on this. The thing that that he described there, he's walking in an empty hallway, and the doors are locked. But as we've seen in multiple uh, different instances, it's not when the... That's not when someone comes in and shoots. It's when everyone's in the hallways. You know, that if the doors lock, you're also locking out kids who may be in the hallway. Well, they've got a plan for the hallways as well. Yes. here He gets farther down into the hallway and figures out uh, he's got nowhere to go. He's walking towards exit 14. I'm going to launch the hot zone. The school's secret weapon called hot zones. Exploding smoke cannons hidden in the ceiling. Cops can deploy them in an instant. Whoa. There is smoke. It is loud and it's meant to disorient the suspect. I mean, look at this. The smoke is filling the hallway. You can barely even see me. (coughs) Whoa. The other amazing thing is... They're watching the suspect on real-time cameras, so no matter where the suspect goes, they can keep setting off these hot zones so he stays blind. The system is expensive, $400,000, but school officials say worth it. And if the federal government can uh, provide grants for yes. this kind of thing. Uh, and that's the, you know, the, the issue that I've heard a lot of people say is you know, school safety is much more important than, say, you know, an upgrade at LAX or something like that. I mean, the idea of keeping our school kids safe. Easy there. 
about the upgraded LAX. <laughs> that that airport's about forty five years overdue. Right. Well, but I know what you're saying. You you have to you can prioritize. You have to, you have to prioritize. Yeah. And the 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 mental aspect of all of this because do you want your kids going to it into a school that has security measures in it that you might see in I don't know a hospital or a, a I'm trying to think of I would feel much better if the kid the high, the the school my kid went to had these these things these security measures seem to make sense to me they'd make me feel better yes but isn't there an aspect of it and I, I don't know the answer to this because I'm not in high school I never felt I never felt threatened we were actually we had this conversation off the air just yesterday Blake was asking you know didn't you guys have, you know, like when your school was was done, like it was just kind of an open, like the gates were always yeah. open? I didn't have gates. I never had gates either. The only fence that we had yeah. was was around the baseball field. Yeah, but I graduated in 98 before Columbine. I don't even know if they put if they put any security measures in or what. But well, I, I mine was them, wide open. My, yeah. my school, obviously, I graduated in 2010 from 6 o'clock in the morning till 6 at night. Every gate was open. Like, people from yeah. nearby neighborhoods would yeah. walk their dogs to But school. again, we didn't have gates. I so, mean, yeah. are you wondering if you don't want your daughter to go to school in a school that seems like a police state? Is that what it is? Well, I'm not saying – I don't mind. I, I think it yeah. would be fine. As long as she felt secure and didn't yeah. feel threatened by anything, then that's the great – that's the place I want her to be. But there are people who are going to argue that the kids should not be in a police state surrounded by, you know – uh, armed officers patrolling the halls or something yeah. like that. Well, it's, I'll be honest with you. That's a better alternative than the option of somebody walking in with, with an AR-15. I would rather have uh, these security measures than armed guards patrolling the halls. And what about this? And I don't know why we aren't, we aren't seeing more of this. Why don't schools uh, offer signups for parents who would like to just walk the perimeter of the school That's not a bad on idea. a regular basis or just be there in the morning. I mean, yeah. when I drove up today and dropped my daughter off at school, there's the normal, you know, there's only two entrance points for the kids to get in in the morning. And they they both have four or five adults there and administrators who are watching, making sure the kids come in and they That's don't a really have good idea. I bet there would be a number of parents. There'd that be would, a million yeah. parents who would do it. And maybe they, they, you know, they're available in the morning. There are others who would be available in the afternoon. You just have to make sure... You clear those parents. I mean, really do a nice, good, deep dive on their sure. background check. Yeah. But, I, I mean, it's one of those things where you can't. Because there's some crazy-ass parents out there. Having, you know, smoke grenades in your hallway is a very different thing and, and mentally is probably much more difficult to sit with than. Yeah, but it's not like they, they deploy them all the time. It Maybe. would just be if an Maybe active shooter was there. they do it on Fridays there. for a rally or <laughs> something. Hidden, so. They're hidden in the walls, too. We're posted up the video of how that school operates in that news piece so everybody can see what it looks like. Excellent. All Coming right. up next, terror in the skies and emotional support dog attacks. Hmm. This has opened quite a can of worms when it comes to support animals on airplanes. We'll talk about it when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. What I don't know what that was. It was a grabby. When she was groped. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. 
2009 is our Flashback Friday year. Why uh, is that? A couple again? different reasons. It was also it was the first year of the OC Restaurant Week. We're gonna have some guests in, in the next hour to talk about that. But also the first year the Dodgers moved their spring training to Arizona. And uh, today is their first spring training game. They take on the White Sox. They host the White Sox. Do you want to know what the field. first lineup of Dodgers spring training is? It's out. Well, I guess it would be out already. Game's the next hour, I think. What is it? Here. Looks like Bellinger yeah. hitting cleanup. Uh-huh. Followed by Kemp. It was a blast from the past. <laughs> Does he get his same number back? Uh, unclear. He did. He's he is, is it? Yeah, yeah. okay. Fabulous. Didn't he switch numbers at some point? I mean, when he left the team, or I, for, I, I thought there was a Kobe Bryant thing that went on with him, but maybe not. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a uh, a story about a Southwest flight that went wrong. Flight two zero nine, are you are cleared for takeoff? Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough. I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday flight. It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. Uh, Southwest Airlines flight from Phoenix to Portland left about 20 minutes late on Wednesday night. There was a six-year-old who walked onto an airplane and was promptly eaten alive by a service dog. No, no, not really. Did I read too much into that? But the child did receive minor injuries. The dog's teeth scraped the child's forehead after... The child approached the dog during the boarding process. Hmm. I um, I am not laughing out loud. I'm curious to know what Southwest's policy is when it comes to figuring out what makes an actual service animal. And well, it's a service dog. It's not like it's a service peacock. It no, is the but, most typical type of service animal. Uh, but I could I could have Blake as my service animal, perhaps, <laughs> if I had the correct documentation. No, no, no. This is, my point is, is that there's no way this was in violation of the policy if it was a service dog. The service dog is the most widely accepted service animal. I see what you're saying. My question is, what what proof do they have that this is a trained service animal? Because well, if, not if, not all service animals get the kind of training that, say, seeing eye dogs get. Correct. Which means, you know, no biting ever. Then they should not be allowed on an airplane. You think that every dog yes. that's an emotional support animal yep. should have the seeing eye dog yes, training? Absolutely. Okay. So that they don't they eat, don't eat look children? at a six year old head and think, ah, it looks like a steak. Well, I'm going to eat that steak. We don't know what that kid did to that dog. The kid walked by the dog. We don't know that. Now, there were there were some people who were tweeting that the kid went to pet the animal without asking permission, which you should never do. And sometimes six-year-olds can be a little aggressive. Right, which is why you train an animal to deal with aggressive little steak-headed six-year-old kids. And also train the children. Like, yeah, I, I you raised to My was never allowed to approach a dog. Right. And I've said that to my kids, and we—I mean, every—that should be common knowledge. And if you're on that plane, and you get to board first because your feelings are hurt, and you need a service animal or whatever reason you have the support animal, you get on that plane, and that dog is tucked off to the side, away from the aisle, so that no six-year-old steak-headed kid can lean in and get his head bit. Uh, I have a little bit more clarification on the. Um 
on the uh, policy. Okay. Southwest does note on its website that service and emotional support animals are allowed on both domestic and international flights, but the animal must be trained to behave in a public setting and can be denied boarding if it fails to do so. The airline does note, however, it will not allow unusual or exotic animals to act as support pets. And then there's a list, including but not limited to the following. So you know the following people have tried to bring on, right? Because <laughs> they, they have to write it in they the They have rules. to actually, right. yeah, explicitly. All right. right. All right, here we go. Yep. Rodents. Yeah, you don't want that loose on the plane. Ferrets. Yeah. Insects. Somebody has brought an insect on as their this service animal. This is my animal. service roach? Uh, spiders. This is my service tarantula. Nobody believes that. Reptiles. Here's where I think it digs into the gas family. Here's where I think some of our listeners have actually tried to board a Southwest flight with these service animals because these two service animals went very far last year in our baby animal mm-hmm. bracket madness. Hedgehogs oh. and sugar gliders. Now, those I think would be you – would, you would take a sugar glider. You're damn right I would. And, and so would Blake. And you, I believe, would take a, a hedgehog. I don't know about I a hedgehog. I'd, I'd, I'd want a bigger hedgehog. animal. I, I think if I were to take a support animal onto an airplane, I'd want a, I'd want an animal big enough that I could hug it, mm-hmm. like a like a medium sized, like a retriever, golden retriever. Yeah, maybe a yellow lab. I don't want a lot of that big long hair, but but labs they they shed too. I have a lot of work to do in terms of figuring out what my support animals. It's a good and thing. For people, by the you're way, the last person that would ever need an emotional support animal because it takes showing emotions to get one of them. <laughs> for people <laughs> who need emotional support animals, I get it. I totally understand it. I I'm not saying that you are you don't deserve it or that you shouldn't have it. I'm saying you have to also bring with that the responsibility of Keeping six-year-old steak-headed kids out of your dog's mouth. Do you know what keeps six-year-olds safe on a flight? Mom and dad. Xanax. <laughs> For the service animal? Instead of having a service animal, you give yourself a Xanax. It works just as well. It's like a warm hug by a retriever without the hair, without the shedding. Okay. Service animals. Shannon is suggesting pharmaceuticals for anybody who's asking. <clears throat> All right. When we come back, uh, we're going to be joined by a couple of guests. We're going to be talking about Orange County's Restaurant Week, what it is that you can do to get uh, get down to Orange County and partake in some of their great restaurants down there. Also, a little bit later in the show, Swamp Watch and figuring out what's going on with Rick Gates and his potential guilty plea, what that means for the Mueller investigation coming up. All of that is still to come on The Gary and Shannon Show.